Hello and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapters 10 through 12 of the Titan's Curse. These are big ones. Notably, the ones after this are even bigger, but these feel like a lot has happened in three little chapters. Especially because the Sea of Monsters, we kind of noticed that even though the book was progressing, the chapters didn't feel very long. Mm-hmm. These, I feel like they just like get longer. He, he's trying to establish that like something big is about to happen. I'm sure Battle of the Labyrinth is going to be like a thousand pages. Yeah. Yeah, I wish that this book was longer, honestly, because I feel like there's so much missing and, like, there are so many, like, with all these new characters and all these potential dynamics, and I get that it's a children's book, so there's probably, like, a a limit on, on how long these books can be, but I do feel like we're suddenly, like, in these three chapters, they're suddenly, like, fully mid-quest about to hit all the action and I'm like I wanted more yeah and I wanted more like time for the relationships to develop and all of that stuff too I think that would have been really interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but again yes it's a children's book we if it was more than like I guess 200 pages a lot of children would just like not pick it up they'd just like, be too scared to try to read it that's true which I personally never understood because I'm like a page, like a book is a book. It's going to take however long it does. Like page number doesn't matter. That's how I always looked at it as a child. Whereas like I know a bunch of people who are like, how many pages is it? And I'm like, that doesn't determine if the book is hard to read or not. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, especially, I honestly loved longer books more as a kid than I do now. I think because I'd have a long book like at school during reading time and be like, look at me. I'm so mature. I have a high school level reading like <laughs> comprehension. But now I, I I tend to shy away from them more. It's because like commitment. adult and adult long books are like only fantasy books, yeah. They're like we need to yeah. world build in order to be this long. Or if it's, like, an adult contemporary and it's long, it's like, okay, you know someone's gonna, like, the only things that adult contemporaries write about are, like, divorce. <laughs> like, I'm like, alright, so someone's gonna have an affair and there's gonna be, like, a divorce. Like, that's the only thing that I just, I I like short and sweet now. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm reading children's literature. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just, maybe because... I'm very, like, knock on wood lucky in the people that I keep company, but a lot of the adult contemporaries, I feel the plot feels so implausible, where I'm just, mm-hmm. like, to each character who goes through something, I'm like, go, go to therapy. Like, this could have been solved if you had simply communicated with your significant other. Or, like, mm-hmm. I read a book the other day where, like, the main character's best friend and husband have an affair with each other. And I was just like, get better friends. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I'm sorry this happened to you, but it's like, again, knock on wood, I'm going to like curse myself in the future. But this this is not like a relatable content. Like, I can never imagine a friend doing that, which is, I guess, the point. But she's not surprised. She's like, you were bad anyway. I'm like, then why are you on this vacation together? Yeah, that's something I never... I don't find, like, affairs very interesting. Mm -mm. Like, I feel like that's always the big twist in adult literature. And I'm like, this is where I read children's literature. Like, 
it's not that cool. Maybe it'll fade out. Maybe less people are having affairs. Maybe it was just like the generation of boomers who all yeah. like married people that they hated and then had affairs and then like make the ones that do the boomer humor joke of like, haha, my wife's gonna kill me. And then it's just like, you should probably go to couples therapy. <laughs> Please. Or just get divorced at that point. If you're already going through the energy to have the affair or in some adult, I mean, some books murder then maybe just get the divorce yeah this is why i prefer for my plot twist to be like and then the titans rose (laughs) (laughs) exactly i'm like if you're gonna make it like crazy at least make it fantastical yeah yeah (laughs) well speaking of which the summary of these next three chapters is basically we have Percy running to save his fellow non-consensual, by the way, questers. <laughs> but now we have zombie soldiers and a, apparently some kind of beast. So we're excited to see what happens. And I start us off. So chapter 10, I break a few rocket ships. Percy dashes through the mall. I just like, every time I see the mall, I think of you because of... Um, Animorphs and <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, I was thinking of that in my head, but I was like, I'm not gonna say anything. This is like the 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 Capitol Mall or whatever. Though it's not like the mall. I know. It? No, it's not. But like, I'm thinking like just because like when he said the mall, I immediately thought of like you and your '90s literature, the mall. I just love how the mall is such a it's it's a key. <laughs> location in the animorphs it's the hangout oh god for 90s children (laughs) i mean it's the runoff of the 80s what can we say yeah anyway percy's running through the capitol mall and he goes into the air and space museum there aren't a lot of people around just like a few straggling families who are just viewing some pieces of history etc so he takes off his cap and he ends up literally running into talia and the quest group grover is pumped to see him um but the girls obviously aren't grover was like oh thank god percy's here because it kind of hints that they're (laughs) absolutely lost but obviously no, no one's gonna fess up to that except for grover i mean it makes sense that they're lost they have grover who often gets lost Talia, who was a tree a few months ago, (laughs) Bianca just became a hunter. Like, she's still, like, learning the reins of her new job. And then Zoe, who doesn't listen to anyone. That's true. (laughs) That is very true. Like, you see that constant, like, she's supposed to be the leader. And she does a little bit better in these chapters. Like, you see her grow a little Mm -hmm. bit. But, my, my God, a leader who's just so... Like, her fatal flaw is also hubris, I personally believe. Oh, yeah. Percy lets them know he saw Luke, which gets Talia's attention, and then the general and a bunch of skeleton zombies. Zoe immediately accuses him of lying about seeing the general, and Percy's like, why would I lie about that? Like, that is such a weird thing to lie about. Um, But Bianca's like, Zoe, if this is true, you know what that means, and they get cut off because that's later secret information we'll find out as a surprise, yeah. Zoe's taking it personal that the general is here and Percy's like I think that there's something there but I don't have time to think about it so it's just like for the readers like this is something you should be thinking about and obviously Percy is now part of their quest the hunters aren't happy about it and Tully isn't happy about it either because he's 
and Gwent's again disobeying orders and needing to be the main character but she's like you're here and we need you because if what you're saying is true which obviously it is um we're gonna need you to help us fight it actually ends up leading to Talia and Zoe having a little spat where Talia's fed up with Zoe trying to take control and Zoe clearly has no respect for Talia for uh, untold reasons but before they can really get into it they hear like a growl from behind them and a child is like mommy a kitty because you know it's like like in movies and stuff where the child there's a child somewhere that says something absolutely useless (laughs) then we have the Nemean lion which is that famous lion that is eventually killed by Hercules and so this kind of story around the Nemean lion is that there's a bunch of different versions but Hera raised it and then sent it to terrorize the hills of Nemea. And I was just like, why? There's no reason why. I think... She... Well, she hates Hercules. Yeah, in particular. Well, she hates all of Zeus's children. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't remember if it was because of Hercules particularly. Or if she just had set it loose at that time just to terrorize people. Both could be true. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of the labors that Hercules has to complete. And something that we see throughout these three chapters, and honestly the entire book, is a lot of their tasks are reflections of Hercules' labors. I would like you to know that every time you say Hercules, I hear in my head the movie where they're like, <laughs> The three muses, and I'm like, Sam, can you add that in? <laughs> that would be that so would be good. <laughs> I, should I say Heracles instead, just to, I don't know. Ugh. No. <laughs> Even though that's the I know, it's version, the real version. Technically, and Hercules yeah. is Roman. Yeah. So the Nemean lion is a huge lion with this beautiful, like, Pantene commercial, like, golden fur and silver metallic talons. And it, when it roars, it's so loud. Percy says it parts his hair. Zoe commands everyone to try to distract it until Zoe can figure out a way to kill it, which is kind of impossible because its hide is essentially metallic so all the arrows that they kind of fire at it bounce off and Talia seems to have it under control for a second when she pulls out her shield because it's kind of intimidating but Percy starts to notice that it's actually gearing up to pounce on her so he dives in front of the beast and is clawed and thrown into a nearby exhibit where there's a weird looking spacecraft with helicopter blades hmm. <laughs> I know he was just like it was very vague. I was like, why didn't you just name the the aircraft? And I was like, okay, obviously Percy doesn't know. It's like when um, Percy tries to describe, like, a person or a, um, like, a, an object where Rick tries to make it from Percy's perspective. So, like, what does the character actually know? And Percy's quite stupid, so he doesn't know a lot of things. <laughs> so they kind of do it, like... Oh, she was like Middle Eastern looking, or at least I thought so, like for Medusa. And I was just like, just <laughs> say that she was like tan looking or like whatever you're trying to imply. Like, don't be like silly about this. But it's fine. It's the mark of a middle aged <laughs> man trying to write as a 12 year old. True, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, weirdly enough, Percy notices that when the lion roars, it has, like, a really pink and very vulnerable mouth, and he's like, that is it, that's the weak spot. Uh, he calls out to Zoe to target the mouth, but obviously she misses because the lion just closes its mouth. The lion then jumps onto the spacecraft with Percy, who drops onto the floor, and the monster's way too heavy to be standing on it, so it falls through the spaceship. 
and completely destroys it. Percy then tells Talia to keep the beast occupied because he gets an idea and he runs into the gift shop, which is this is like peak. We need to solve a problem. And how would a middle schooler solve this problem? Yeah. Because Percy mm-hmm. throws his, he goes into the gift shop and grabs some things that he doesn't explain what it is. And he throws his sword like a throwing knife and catches the lion's attention. And then in a way that isn't fully explained and seems like it defies physics, Percy throws what he bought was space food from the gift shop into the lion's mouth. And the lion starts hacking it up because it's like strawberry flavored gunk. And it's really mad. And then Mm -hmm. it's so mad at him that it roars at him. And when it's roaring, Percy just throws more space food into its mouth. (laughs) <laughs> and it opens its mouth wide in horror at the taste so the hunters are able to get several great shots into its mouth and the line goes down Zoe is like impressed because this is a very unconventional way to take down <laughs> one of the greatest beasts in Greek mythology and she's also very confused she's like how did you get from point A to point like what was your thought process and Percy's like I cannot explain it Percy's no like, thought. No that thought. <laughs> that's exactly it. The lion then melts away like most monsters do after they're defeated, but it leaves behind its fur coat, and then the fur coat starts shrinking into um, like a normal lion size. And Zoe says Percy deserves it because it was his idea for killing the monster. So Percy picks it up and. It's a spoil of war, and so it then turns into a heavy fur coat that's, like, perfectly fitted for Percy. Very convenient. Very stylish. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Grover then says that they have to get out of the museum. He's been playing a song of confusion, so security is just, like, running around in cir- circles in tra- instead of trying to inevitably arrest these children and then accuse them of being the sole reason why everything's destroyed, as it usually goes. And then Percy, through the window, sees the skeleton men marching towards them. He's like, okay, the skeleton army zombie guys have my scent because they sniffed my shirt for some reason. Very creepy. (laughs) Uh, So they should go ahead and Percy will try to fend them off. But Zoe says, no, you're now the fifth official member of our quest. I'm not happy about it, but it is what it is. And if we're going to fight, we're going to fight together. And um, that's uh, that's the end of the chapter. I have several thoughts. The first one is there are many characters in this book that I feel like if they had been first allowed to live longer or been explored a little bit deeper or written in a different decade, they would have been canonically gay. And Talia and Zoe are like mm-hmm. up there for me. Right. I, classic enemies to friends right? to lovers. Especially like the reason which we'll get into I think the next chapter or two why they're not friends yeah. and why they hate each other is very important. Also they would have been mm-hmm. adorable like can you imagine I mean first of all they, they can't because they don't like each other and also because it's against all the rules of the hunters but they would have been so cool like just these girlfriends leading the pack of hunters. Artemis would have been proud right. if she wasn't randomly just so against love i commented on percy fighting and solving the problem in such a kid's book way and that way i think that mm-hmm. kids solve problems in these books cemented itself in my head so whenever i wrote stories like you know like how you write stories in school and stuff like that yeah oh yeah 
school. No, no, at that. It's the only place you ever wrote a story. No, as a child. Fun fact, listeners. <laughs> Me and Madison wrote, a, wrote books together when we were in middle school and high school. They were, like, they were beyond bad. bad. Yeah, this is a lot. Yeah, this is a lot. But even when I was younger, I would, like, think of, like, the way that I would, in writing classes and stuff, solve my problems and stories were so stupid, but they were, like, kids' logic. And I think it's genuinely <laughs> incredible because, obviously, because they've established so many things having to be true, um, we would believe this in a second. Like, yes, Percy could throw the food in a way that defies physics because Greek gods exist in this world. But it's also so silly when everything else has been so, like, like so, so detail-oriented and very similar to Greek mythology. I mean, Greek mythology isn't that... Is always also crazy. Greek mythology, yeah, can be silly. Um, I did also say that I think Percy's kind of annoying. I am the biggest Percy fan. You know this, but his (laughs) constant "I need to be the main character" is. I mean, he is the main character, but like he genuinely like didn't need to be on this quest. Like they needed him, sure, but he was not invited. He was definitely keeps in the last three books, especially except for the first one where he didn't want to be the main character, but is put in that position. He's constantly just being like, Well, how can I not be included? It's me, Percy Jackson. Like it's very annoying. He's being like a real yeah. Leo here. Not Leo the character, Leo <laughs> his star <dumb>. sign. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Percy's birth August eighteenth. Yeah. He's a Leo. He's a Leo. He's being major Leo vibes right here. I can say this because my mother's a Leo. <laughs> um, and also, thank God Grover is useful for one second. Like the beginning, he like turns the corner and he's playing his flute, his reed, no, his reed pipes. And I was just like, "What are you gonna do, sir?" And it like is now he's not mentioned at all until the end, and they find out that he's been distracting the guards and stuff. So I was like, "Okay." Fine, I'll give you that. This, I think, this book is when Grover starts to, like, be genuinely <laughs> useful. It took him yeah. a, a book or two, but he's fine now. Yeah. 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 He's uh, got his horns now, as they did oh, in the God. movies. <laughs> what does that oh. signify? You know what, that's not, let's not get into it. Why don't you continue? Yeah, we don't, we don't yeah. talk about the movies anymore. We done we it. We did our time. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> All right, chapter 11, Grover gets a Lamborghini. I would like to say before before starting my summary is that I struggled to spell the word mm-hmm. Lamborghini the, like, two times I had to type it in this summary because in my head I've always thought, like, I always think it's Lamborghini, mm. and I think that would be cooler, be, like, hanging with the bros in the Lamborghini. I don't know. That just has better ring to it. But it's spelled Borghini. It makes me think of a Well, burger. it's not English. Anyway. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> um. This chapter starts with the gang deciding to abandon the van because they're being tailed by a helicopter and they head for the subway entrance so that they can continue to head south. And this is thanks to Bianca's quick thinking. Bianca remembers that the station in particular because it surprised her when her and Nico visited last summer since it wasn't there when they first lived in D.C. Grover thinks this is weird. 
Because he's like, this subway station looks old. And Bianca's like, actually, when I lived in D.C., there were no subway stations. And Zoe is like, hold up. How, how long ago were you in D.C.? But then they're interrupted because a helicopter has found their train and is following it. So they're like, crap, we got to get off and change trains. Um, but they get off at a station and realize that they're at the end of the line. And at the end of the line, they find a nice train homeless man. And I read this every time I've read this. I'm like, oh, I know this is a Greek character. Like, is this a god? Yes. But no. This is Tom Hanks from the Polar Express. You know the homeless train man? Yes, I was just going to say Tom Hanks plays every single character in the Polar Express. You have to be very specific. (laughs) He does. But it's specifically the homeless man on top of the train. This is the exact vibe I'm getting. And I can't see it as anything else. Like, Apollo who? This is Tom Hanks. <laughs> and he lets them warm up by their fire and then is like, you kids need a train going west. And then magically, bas- seems to magically summon the Sun West Line, which is like a cargo train carrying a bunch of fancy cars. And when they turn to thank Tom Hanks, he's gone. They, <laughs> they hop on the freight train and begin to head west. And they each are like, oh, we can each hang out in a luxury car of our own, take a nap. And Percy's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to climb into Talia's car and instead of letting her have peace and quiet, annoy her. And Percy's not doing so well in these chapters. Percy. It's not a good look for him. Percy was like, Nico is gone, so I have to be the younger brother to all these women here. Yeah, to everyone. I must be the annoying boy. (laughs) So... In, in Talia's car that he got in with her, Talia is like, well, we're clearly going to San Francisco. And Percy's like, hmm. And he remembers Annabeth mentioning San Francisco and how she couldn't move there with her dad because half-bloods can't live there. Percy is like, what's so bad about San Francisco? And Talia tells him that the mist is so thick there, you know, like the San Francisco fog is thick, mm. because it's actually mist, because it's hiding the mountain of despair. <laughs> Monsters are all, I love the name, it's incredible, it goes so well with the general <laughs> mountain of despair. It's also funny because, like, maybe that's why, you know, real estate is so expensive, it's just the mountain of despair is in the corner. <laughs> the titans are hiking up the prices in San Francisco. <laughs> monsters are all apparently attracted to the area and titan magic is strong there percy is kind of like uh what is the mountain of despair and talia snaps back you don't know ask zoe she's the expert and so percy with you know his one brain cell it picks up on the fact that like hey talia can't stand zoe i wonder what happened there and he takes a wild guess that talia herself has been recruited by the hunters and that's why she hates them in particular so much and Talia admits that she almost did join them and that Zoe had tried to convince her when she was like on the run with Luke and but she couldn't leave Luke when it was just them on the road so she had turned Zoe down and in response at the time Zoe had told her that she was being stupid and that Luke would let her down and Percy in response to Talia retelling the story Percy's like lol it's hard to admit she was right huh luke sucks we hate luke like percy's just like very much operating under this idea of like luke bad percy good (laughs) like like very black and white morality and talia denies that luke has ever let her down and basically implies that she still believes in. he poisoned her like what are you talking about 
I'm a little bit like I I think she's trying to say that she doesn't really think he's done anything wrong, which I'm like mm, he's murdered. But I think she's trying to say she like understands his hatred for the gods. Because I mean, all Zeus has ever done for her is turned her into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, uh, yeah, she's saying she understands his hatred, I think. But also, she's a little bit blind. A lot bit blind to, like, you know, the murder. Has he murdered anyone yet? I would assume so. I'm I don't actually know if yeah. he has. The, the future murder, for sure. <laughs> and then uh, she kicks Percy out of her car. It's like, please let me sleep. <laughs> but she says something that I was like, ooh, that's really harsh. Before kicking him out, she says to Percy, Annabeth wanted to join the hunters, too. Maybe you should think about why. And I'm like, Percy's being a little jerk in these chapters, but that felt a little bit, a little bit far. I also... But Talia knows how to push it. I don't understand, because I can't think of why. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with Percy. No. Like, I think Talia's like, maybe it's because you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a bad friend. But I think Annabeth just... I don't... She never really considered joining. Like, she wasn't really serious, as we learn later in the end of the book. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. But it was just, like, a potential option for her. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, Percy, who, again, apparently... You know, he has all these cars to go into. And he's like, no, I cannot be alone. <laughs> so he goes into Grover's car, which, you know, chapter title, it's a Lamborghini. And he's thinking about how he's afraid to fall asleep when suddenly the homeless man Tom Hanks appears next to him and is like, don't be afraid of dreams. And then he rattles off a really wonderful haiku, which honestly, this haiku is relevant to the podcast. Sam, if you have like some like nice, fun, folksy music to play in the <laughs> background of every haiku Apollo does, much appreciate. All right, so... Dreams like a podcast, downloading truth in my ears. They tell me cool stuff. Incredible. Beautiful. It's so good. <laughs> Quality, it's relevant to this. That's what we do. We tell you cool stuff. <laughs> we tell you cool stuff about cool stuff that's already been written. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately, Percy's like, bad haikus? This is Apollo. And it turns out Apollo is there incognito and helping them get to the west super fast because this train is actually the sun chariot, so they're moving much faster than they would have in a normal train. Apollo recommends to Percy that when they reach San Francisco, they seek out Narius, the old man of the sea, who can potentially tell them more about the monster that Artemis was chasing before she got captured. Then Apollo disappears before having to answer any other questions, which is, like, kind of convenient. Sometimes I wish I could do that. And Percy finally falls asleep. And so Percy, this is the first time we see a dream that Percy has that isn't, like, at least I think this is the first time. I could be just, like, forgetting everything I've read. But I think this is the first time we see him have a dream that is, um, like, a memory of someone else's. Mm -hmm. In the sense that all his dreams so far have been, like, foreshadowing things or things happening right now to other people or happening like in the immediate future like he, he he had a lot of dreams of Grover with Polyphemus and he's been dreaming about Annabeth right now with uh the general and all the stuff that she's holding up right now and this is the first time we get just like a totally random memory and I think that it's like one of the gods being like Percy you're stupid. Here's some knowledge for you. So Percy dreams that he is somebody else, a dude in an old-fashioned Greek tunic wearing the Nebian lion's skin and being pulled along by a girl holding his hand. And, like, who do we know? 
one Nemean lion skin from the previous chapter. Hercules. He doesn't put that together. No, he doesn't. They're running from someone, the girl and, and Percy slash Hercules, and the girl warns him that he cannot defeat a monster called Ladon and that instead he must go up the mountain. <laughs> what? Did I say it wrong? No, 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 no. I've just been... My brain has been reading it as Landon. <laughs> There's no end. <laughs> until you... <laughs> until you said it, I was just like, it's a weird name for a dragon or whatever. And I was like, I would also name my dragon Landon. I kind of want it to be Landon. I love the idea of naming like a vicious beast, like a very normal name. Like, this is Keith, my dragon. <laughs> yeah. This is Landon. Yeah, it's Landon now. Thank you for that. <laughs> We're a podcast. We can tell you cool stuff. High the dragon's quality. actually Landon. So <laughs> he the girl warns him that he can't defeat this monster and instead must go up the mountain to meet with the girl's father. And then the girl gives him a hairpin, which transforms into a familiar bronze sword. It is the OG form of Riptide, also known as Anaclusmos. Percy then wakes up, the train has stopped somewhere, and is he's totally shook because, lo and behold, the girl in his dream was none other than Zoe Nightshade herself. Dun dun dun! Character reveal! Love it. So exciting. It's, so, it's interesting because I love that. I love when Zoe becomes a more interesting character because she comes across as this very stuffy, rude person in the beginning but she's like such an interesting character and i always forget and then i'm always excited to learn her backstory yeah i mean she's so i mean she is like surface level so cool because she's like an immortal mm -hmm. hunter who's been yeah. by artemis's side and she has a tragic backstory and she like yeah she's just and she's really good at fighting like how cool mm -hmm. is that and then they're like she was mean and she doesn't like boys <laughs> I was like, come on <laughs> Like, she's so much cooler. Yeah, yeah. So my notes, I only had a few notes. One of them, in the first, like, on the first page of this chapter, when the helicopter's chasing them and Percy's like, why are there mortals working for the general? And Zoe says, many mortals will fight for any cause as long as they're paid. And I'm like, immediate, my immediate reaction is like, yikes, it's true. But also, I started thinking, I was like, you know what? Good for them getting that cash. Like, Percy's not getting paid. Chiron doesn't give out stipends, nor do the gods, for all the labor they make these children do. Like, you know, good for them for making money. The demigods should unionize. They should unionize. But <laughs> I believe it. Of course Zoe, like, looks down on it, too. She's not a part of the capitalistic society. She's just running off in yeah. the forest with Artemis. Like, she doesn't have to care about money. She doesn't pay rent. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My other comment is that I kind of wish that Riptide stayed as a hairpin and just changed with the times and like in the 90s was like a nice butterfly clip and like a clip that Percy like he he doesn't want to wear it but it keeps appearing back in his hair every time he loses it. <laughs> that would have been funny especially for like a 12 year old boy he would purposely not ever fight like he'd be like I yeah. would rather use my fists. Yeah than my clip. I know. And then he becomes really attached to it later. I would love that. Yeah. By the time he's, like, 16, he's like, this is my clip. <laughs> and at that point, he's, like, the son of Poseidon, right? Like, he's yeah. a, he doesn't care what anyone else thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 12, I Go Snowboarding with a Pig. The gang arrives at a little ski town in the middle of a mountain in New Mexico. There's snow everywhere and everyone's freezing, even Percy in his fancy new little fur coat. Percy tells Grover about his conversation with Apollo and he worries to himself that the general only plans to keep Annabeth alive until the winter solstice. Like, who knows what's going to happen after that. And the winter solstice is only a couple days away. There are no car rentals or buses in or out of the this little town that they're in. And so they're like, we need to find a way out and we need food. Talia, Bianca, and Percy go to a grocery store and Grover and Zoe go to a cafe because they really want coffee. Which I think is funny because like, Grover and Zoe in this like story essentially are like essentially a little bit older. So they like want yeah. coffee. And then Annabeth, I'm sorry, not Annabeth, Percy... Talia and Bianca are like, we are children. We like hot chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) The grocery store is like really depressing. There's nobody there and they have like really random items, including a little rubber rat that they're selling for like a dollar. And the grocery clerk tells them that there's no easy way out of the town unless you had brought your own car. Like he's surprised that they even got into town and he could call a cab, but the cab could cost a lot of money and take over an hour to get to them. And Percy feels so bad for this grocery clerk guy because he just looks so lonely. He just buys a rubber rat. And I was like, is this important information? I'm just going to write it down in case. <laughs> it's like foreshadowing. <laughs> um, Talia is like really frustrated. So she is like, I need a moment and I need to go take a walk. Which I think is really funny that they, like Annabeth and Percy have an understanding where they're like, we are codependent on each other and we like like to be with each other all the time. So when Percy's on this mission with Talia, Talia's like, I'm kind of independent. I need personal space. Percy doesn't understand. He's like, let's sit and cuddle together. Yep. (laughs) So Talia ends up leaving and just for a walk and Bianca and Percy are left alone together and they're both really uncomfortable. One, Percy doesn't know how to talk to girls other than Annabeth and Talia. And also, he just, like, Bianca just seems kind of shy in general. So he's like, oh, God, mm-hmm. neither of us are going to start a conversation. <laughs> so he's like, okay, let's, like, start small. So he's like, how do you like being a hunter so far? And Bianca says that she's enjoying it, but it's not the normal experience because, like, the moment she joined Artemis went missing. And everyone's like, that sucks for her. <laughs> right? Like, that really sucks. Yeah. I do feel bad for her in that sense. Like, she didn't get the experience that she wanted. Mm-hmm. And Bianca also notes that everything has slowed down around her, and she thinks it's the immor- immortality. And I thought that was weird. Wouldn't things speed up if she's immortal? Like, I would think so, because you're, like, cons- it's like how as you get older, the years, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> stop. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, essentially ignoring you, but yeah, essentially that's the, isn't that the case? Like time starts becoming irrelevant, so it just passes by without yeah. noticing. But she's like, no, it's maybe slow. It's maybe it's because it's like her first, her first week on the new job, you know? Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't know. know. 
Bianca mutters that Nico did not understand her decision and Percy tries to be nice about it. He's like, oh, you know, he'll have a lot of friends at camp. It'll be okay. We'll take care of him. Um, he'll forgive you after he's had some time. <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah. It is true, though. Yeah, I mean... Percy's not wrong. Like, Nico does eventually make friends. <laughs> he does. Yeah, it just takes him a lot longer, I think, than they would have hoped. Yeah. Yeah. And Bianca really warms up to Percy because he's just, like, genuinely trying to be nice and he's, like, having a conversation with her. And she's like, you know, it's really lucky that Annabeth has a friend like you. And they have a good back and forth. And I think he starts warming up to her a lot, too. I thought maybe to redeem her in his eyes and also so we can have things be extra tragic in the next couple chapters. Yeah. I I mean, this is when every time I read this story, my opinion on Bianca shifts around here. Because I'm like, okay, like, she is, like, what, like, 13 or 14? Yeah. I don't actually know. I think we've just been getting her age wrong this entire time. We're like, she's 9, she's 14, She's 23 and she's like, I don't want to raise this child. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Regardless, yeah. like it is a it's a valid thing that she experiences and I still like my my gripe with her joining the hunters is more so on the hunters than on Bianca herself. I still think she was manipulated. Yeah, and I do think that it gets hard for like she's been and I think that she explains it pretty well here. Like for example, Percy asks her what her story is, like she's he's like, Where did you come from? Who are your parents? And sh- where did you go? Mm-hmm. Where did you come from? Cotton Edge. I wish I could block people in real life. Like I wish yeah, I could block yeah. you. I would also block. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> anyway, she can't really remember where she was before Westerf's the boarding school. She thinks that she was in a boarding school in D.C., but it feels like a long time ago. And everyone told her that her parents were dead. And they just had a lot of money in a trust fund set up for them. I think Percy's also trying to figure out who her godly parent is. Like, he's like, if we know the sex mm-hmm. of one of the mortal, like, your mortal parents, maybe we can kind of infer, it cuts down on who her parent could be. But since mm-hmm. both of them were dead and she doesn't know any of the, either of them, it makes it more difficult again. They were taken out of school suddenly and they stayed in a hotel for a few weeks with a lawyer and then a like a lawyer dropped them off at that hotel and a few weeks later a different lawyer came and got them and then put them in that boarding school where they were found so percy asks her if she's been raising nico her whole life since she doesn't even remember her parents and bianca says yes and that's why she joined the hunters she wanted her own life and not to be a big sister for 24 hours a day like she's never gotten a break in her life and she's only defined by her relationship and responsibility to nico and it's not like a parent who chooses uh, in a whichever way that may be legal to be a parent you know it's like nico didn't choose to be an orphan but neither did bianca so i get it yeah, this is where I'm just like, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, and I, like, I get, for your entire life, that sucks. Yeah, and I get where she's coming from. I just, I'm not happy about it, but it's fine. And Percy feels like he can relate. Like, he's been on Team Maniko this whole time, and but he's, like, yeah. sympathizing a lot more because he's like, yeah, when I suddenly got Tyson last summer, I did not want the responsibility of him, and I was embarrassed of him, and I tried to get away from him, so I... Generally, but I disagreed because Percy ended up oh, becoming yeah. very attached to Tyson and now he's like constantly calling Tyson and being like, why don't you hang out with me? 
So also, this feels like like the way Percy's like, yes, I relate because of this one. It feels like when like someone's like, oh, I have depression, and someone else is like, I was sad once, <laughs> and you're like, cool, you're not understanding my situation at all. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how it feels like. Uh, Percy is it's trying to relate, but it is not something that he can relate to. Yeah. Percy then tries to ask Bianca about the general. She, he's like, you know information that, that Zoe's not sharing. Share it with us. And Bianca gets a little cagey. And then luckily Percy is saved by um, Zoe and Grover coming back. Because it feels kind of like Bianca was like, dude, we were doing so well. We had a good mm-hmm. rapport and you just broke it by asking me to divulge information on my, like, boss. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Grover is about to do another tracking spell when a warm breeze rolls by them. It smells like fresh air and wildflowers and sunshine somehow all at once. And there seems to be a voice in the wind that says a warning of some sort, but like Percy can't make it out. And then the birds on Grover's coffee cup start literally flying off and Grover passes out. (laughs) Which is... I probably would Yeah, I know, I would too. Talia returns. He hasn't had his coffee yet. He hasn't finished his cup. I know, and I would just be like, are you kidding me? This has to happen too. Like, we already, like, life is already so weird. Like, why does this have to Mm -hmm. happen? Talia returns at that point, and she's armed. She says they have to, like, get Grover up and get out of town as fast as possible. Uh, Because she's like, the zombies are here. But by the time they get to the edge of the town, zombies have found them. And they're dressed like the police. They're wearing New Mexico police Mm -hmm. uniform. And oh. there are this. Did Rick say a <laughs> Rick said a cab. All cops are zombies. A cabs. A cabs. There we go. The skeletons are armed with handguns, which is like very unusual because everyone they've fought so far has been like monsters who also have knives and swords and stuff. So they're not. The children are not armed for this. The group is fully surrounded because more skeletons are coming up behind them and more are on their way. And Grover is still mostly passed out, but he keeps like muttering like the gift is on its way, the wild. And so the girls are obviously ignoring a delirious Grover and are getting ready to attack. Percy remembers that the like he's like trying to hype himself up, so he's like, General is an asshole. He has the love of your life, but he doesn't say that. He's like he has Annabeth. And he uses that to fuel his attack on the skeletons and he charges at them. And Percy is able to, like, the skeleton shoots at him. And Percy's able to sense the wave, like, the sound wave of the bullet. And he's able to deflect it. I think it's supposed to be a mixture of, like, Percy is a good fighter. And also, like, Percy is the son of a sea god. We're trying to incorporate waves anytime we can. And Percy, he's able to deflect a lot of um, different bullets and he's cutting down skeletons and he's doing pretty well until he's shot in the back. And everyone's screaming, Talia's losing her mind, but it's okay. And he lands face down, but it's okay because the fur coat he's wearing is bulletproof. Nice and convenient. Percy's like, oh God, we're gonna die. And there's a sound, a crashing sound that comes from the forest behind them and he's like, Great, now even more reinforcements for the skeletons are here. Bianca is fighting the skeletons to his side, and she actually manages to stab one, and it just simply bursts into flames. And no, I wonder who her godly parent I know. could be. Like, what does that mean? It's obviously Hestia, but it's fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. It's Demeter. There we go. <laughs> um, everyone's like, well, how did you do that? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, do it again. But all the skeletons are like, okay, so that one, don't let it stab you. So like, it will stay away from you. Which makes it harder to fight. The questers are backing up when Grover is like, it's here, the gift. And everyone's like, dude, can you shut up? But then the largest pig Percy has ever seen bursts onto the road. It's a wild boar that's about 30 feet tall and it absolutely destroys the skeletons. And it's simply destroying everything in its path. Zoe calls it the Arimanthian boar and says they can't kill it even if they wanted to. But Grover's like, don't worry, it's a blessing from the wild. But since it's wild, <laughs> it doesn't really have any sides, so it's going to kill everyone regardless of their goodness stat- status. So I wanted to talk about the, the boar for a second. Because um, I like did some research on it, very light research, and it's again another story of the labor of Hercules. He was living on Mount Arimanthos, and it's like sacred to the goddess of the hunt. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about is it's like such a wild story. So, Hercules, wild? it's wild. <laughs> Hercules wrestles it essentially, and he gets it stuck in snow. But the the story that I want to talk about is Chiron oh. is the center of this. It's like it's a little bit confusing. So Hercules goes and goes to visit a centaur who's his friend, and they're drinking wine, but the smell attracts more centaurs, and they all start drinking together. And the idea is like they should be mixing their diluting their wine because they don't. They all get real drunk, and they start attacking each other. Hercules has to shoot poison arrows to get them to stop, and. A lot of centaurs die in this, and one of the centaurs that actually ends up getting hit is Chiron, and oh. he's immortal, but he's still able to feel pain. So this is like the first time I think he's ever felt pain, and he feels a lot of it, and he's like, is this what my man Prometheus, who is chained on top of the mountain, having an eagle eat his liver daily, is going through? And he's like, I can't imagine, that's so horrible, like, I have now empathy, like the skills of empathy. So he asks the gods to replace Prometheus with him. Oh. And so the eagle eats Chiron's liver every single day until Hercules comes and saves him. Oh. And then Hercules asks Chiron, how do I catch this boar? And Chiron's like, lure it into thick snow and then just get it stuck there. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know Chiron was involved in this. Is that weird? Yeah. Sorry, I got really confused about what the order the story goes into. But um, okay. the reason I remembered it is because Percy's trying to remember how Hercules stopped the boar. But he can't think of it. He thinks of it eventually because he does it. It's how it usually goes. But they are running from the boar until they see a covered tunnel. And Percy has an idea. In the tunnel, Talia has a full panic attack. Because on the other side of the, is a bridge with a huge drop. Like 80 feet. Percy tries to get Talia to come onto the bridge with him because the boar is coming at them, but she's freaking out, and Percy has no choice but to tackle Talia to the side before the boar can charge at them, and they slide down the cliff on her shield like a sled. The boar can't really stop and change direction, so it just free falls off the bridge, and they end up next to it at the bottom, and it's not even hurt, it's just stuck in the snow. 
Percy finally understands that Talia's not afraid of driving. Like, he was, like, thought he was so smart. He's like, your mom died drinking and driving, which is why you were so scared driving Apollo's chariot. Like, it's trauma. And it's just reality is that Talia's like, I don't like heights. I'm the daughter mm-hmm. of the, the sky god, but I don't like heights. Mm-hmm. And she's like, if you tell anyone, I will kill you. And he's like, I won't tell anyone, but I just think it's funny because he's being annoying. Yeah. Grover is like, this is our ride west. It can travel super fast. Um, also, like, it's convenient and it's a blessing. We have to use it. He's also really agitated because he's disappointed he doesn't have time to look around. He's like, this is the feeling of the wild. We got it and now it's gone, so it doesn't even matter. But, oh my god, this is the closest I think anyone's ever been. And he's also able to control the boar, at least get it moving in like a very, like, agitated speed by playing a specific song on his reeds so they all get on the back of the boar and Percy's like yo what is Grover on like what is he talking about what is he feeling and stuff like that and Zoe goes oh you didn't feel it either like I haven't felt that presence in a long time and I was for sure thought I'd never feel it again this is a gift and the presence of the lord of the wild it's pan like all of woo Grover's hopes and dreams. Grover's main man pan. I had a little note. I was like, Tyson and Nico are very different. Like I was like, if Bianca wanted a break from being a sister for 24 hours, maybe she should have just like sent Nico to camp for the summer and had herself gone somewhere else. Like three months tops. Not like <laughs> joined the immortal hunters and then abandoned her brother i don't know it's just like i just like even like a three-week vacation just take a little break yeah a little me time also the the i really want chiron's story like please Mm. just someone write it in the same style as like cersei and achilles like please i would love that it's so long and it's so much information he appears like every single mythological story and i want it that would be like a really long book (laughs) all right those are that's my chapter Woo, that was such a long one i I feel like the other ones were like pretty standard length and that one was like whoa (laughs) kept going all right so i have three lightning bolt round questions for you my Mm -hmm. first one how would you defeat the nemean lion i mean yes i would also try to get into like its mouth clearly that's its weak spot or maybe it's a little nose i would just boop its little nose but i would just yell at it until it keeps roaring at me or like i would research how like why lions roar and get it to roar at me instead of like throwing space food into its mouth (laughs) i love that do you have an idea yeah i came up with this today So I was like, how would I defeat this? And then I was like, do I want to defeat this? I realized, you know, I would make the lion fall in love with me. I would make it bond with me. I would make it become my pet. And then it would be a loyal ally to me. And it would also attack other people for me, do my dirty work. Because as a child of Athena, I have no special powers. It's just like brain good. And that's all. There's she like like Annabeth, like she's just smart. There's all the others get these cool magic powers, and she's like, I'm smart. So, I would like to get this lion to do, to be, like, my special power for me. And it would kind of have the same vibe as my dog, where it hates everyone except for me. So. 
you skipped a couple steps. <clears throat> How do you plan on making it fall in love with you? Well, I would probably train. I would I would look up like like dog lion training, I guess. I would look up what people do at zoos. I would bring some nice whatever its favorite food was. It would be like rescuing like a stray dog, you know? I would be like offering it little bits of hamburger and then I would get it in a lead eventually. <laughs> in a beautiful home you're just reading um white fang and following those instructions yeah yeah <laughs> okay my next question if you were a god how would you choose to appear as like incognito like how um, apollo becomes tom hanks <laughs> um i this actually made me think of that brooklyn 99 episode but um i would be like an environmental like activist or someone who has some kind of um piece of paper i need signatures for <laughs> i feel like oh, people would avoid me on purpose and it'd be great mm-hmm. i like was walking down the street and i was late because i had to go deliver something for work and someone was trying to stop me and i was like okay i'm gonna take the long way around so that i don't see them because i don't have time to sign up for things but at the same time like i have apparently a little time to walk around so i was like oh that'd be a great way to like avoid people mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. that would be cool that I was thinking, I was like, what would be, like, a funny... I feel like it'd be funny to go as, like, if I was a god, to, like, be incognito as, like, an impersonator of myself. <laughs> like, at, like, a Greek museum or something, or, like, a play. It would be... Because no one would expect... Like, they'd think you were crazy if you're like, no, I really am Apollo. They'd be like, okay, a method actor. And then I would smite them. Have you seen that Adele... Um video where she puts on a Loretta makeup and stuff and she goes to like an Adele impersonator no I haven't seen that that's funny and she pretends like she's never been on stage before and until she starts singing everyone is just kind of like oh she's so cute like she doesn't even Mm -hmm. look like Adele oh weird (laughs) yeah that's the vibe I'd go for yeah and then my last question, what kind of everyday item would you want to transform into a sword? Probably, like, something that I would wear every day, so, like, a, but it's, like, not in my way. Like, I feel like a pen is really annoying because I have to then carry right? a pen around. Yeah, it'd be, like, a watch, I think, or, like, a ring, something that is, like, always on my hand and I can have mm-hmm. easy access to and I don't have to, like, take my shirt off to access or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be good. I know, I was thinking I was, like, a jewelry thing, or, like, like some kind of bracelet. Another one I thought of that was stupid, but I kind <laughs> of like it, was, like, what if it was, like, a retainer? <laughs> just take it out of my mouth. Can you imagine? You're just, like, having a little Hold bit on. of a lisp the entire time yeah. because you're carrying your sword in your mouth. Yep. Another one, I was, like, oh, well, I was, like, I wish, not, I don't really wish this, but I was, like, if only I still had, like, all my, like, metal in my mouth from braces, you know? Like, something that's, like, always on you. And then I was like, oh, the microchip from the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> that's my sword. Yeah. That's actually what it is, obviously. If, Just kidding. There's no microchip in the vaccines. You think shots, the folks. government would give us free weapons? Yeah. No, 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 no. I kind of like the idea of, like, a retainer or, like, my... I, I was like... My glasses, and I was like, wait, no, that I couldn't see <laughs> without them. 
So yeah, realistically, probably like a bracelet or something. Yeah, well, those are my questions. Our next episode is going to be like major doozy of an episode. Chapters 13 through 15, like big chapters happening here. We've got to deal with like loss and also new characters and some some damn jokes. <laughs> Classic. It's going to be either like a long one or somehow we're going to really chaotically fit it all into an hour. We'll see. I think we do that pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> well, we, we do it. I don't know if we do it well or not, but you know, we do yeah. it. Yeah. We do it. Yeah. Hopefully well enough. <laughs> Follow us on social media if you haven't already. We are on everything at Camp Half Pod. And you can also email us camphalfpod at gmail.com. Tell us all your stories, whatever you want to tell us. If you haven't already, don't forget to give us five stars, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.